Hello and welcome to Property Money Trees, Maximising Property Values, the once a month show where I break down the steps of how to recognise, enhance and then extract the values in property in order to create wealth. Would you like to find out how you can benefit from the steps of maximising property values? This is even if you don't own a property yet or have a deposit. If that's a yes, then you're in the right place to find out. My name is Patricia Ogunfaber, and although many know me for my work as a solicitor, on this show you will be getting the benefit of my 30 plus years worth of experience of maximising property values, experience which has given me a net worth in millions. So who might benefit from listening to this show? Literally anyone with an interest in creating property wealth. I think I'm going to be quite boring for this episode. So I apologise in advance because I want to talk about why people are not taking up the massive opportunity that there still exists today. So this particular episode is going to be released on the 1st of September of 2023. And the opportunity that I'm talking about is being able to convert a house into a small HMO, so that means for six people or fewer, in Greater London. Now, it used to be that you could do this under permitted development rights in virtually every single borough within Greater London, but no more. Because most of them have actually implemented HMO Article 4s, which means that you cannot, under permitted development rights, convert a house, a C3 house, into a C4 small HMO house. So, if there is an Article 4 for HMOs in your area, you have to apply for planning permission before you can convert a house into an HMO. And what does converting a house into an HMO actually entail? All it means is that you start using it as an HMO. So where you could do that in the past, obviously you'd have to comply with the legislation and make sure it was safe and all of that. But in essence, for planning purposes, all you needed to do was put your tenants in there and start using it as an HMO. Um, so what actually is an HMO? An HMO technically is where you've got more than two people, so that is three people or more, from more than one household sharing a kitchen and or a bathroom. When most people hear about HMOs, they immediately and rightly think about licensing. If your HMO has at least five people in it, you must license it as an HMO. And that is what we refer to as mandatory HMO licensing. You then have what some councils consider to be smaller HMOs. So they're the ones with less than five um, tenants in the property. Um, and you may still need an HMO license for those. And that is where the uh, council in question has implemented additional licensing uh, requirements. 
And some of these councils may introduce the additional licensing requirements, but only in certain areas. And that also actually goes for their Article 4s. It may only affect certain areas. So it might not be borough-wide. It might just be in certain localities where they think there's a need to actually control the number of HMOs. So it is actually very, very important to check exactly what may or may not apply to the property that you have or might be thinking about buying. And what does licensing actually mean? For most of us, it simply means that we pay the council a little bit more to say that we're licensed. And then that way they can't come after us and say that we're being unlawful. They say that we're subject to checks, which most of them don't carry out. And if we let our properties without being licensed, we they, they can subject us to rent repayment orders where we have to pay back a year's worth of rent to our tenants. And the tenants may actually also apply. Um, I guess it's a maximum of a year's rent that can be the penalty. Further, uh, the uh, council can also uh, impose uh, their own financial penalties. It simply isn't worth it. So if uh, you need a license, get a license. <laughs> right now in London, there are very few London boroughs that haven't implemented Article 4s. And who are these uh, uh, councils? Now, most people can't actually afford to buy in the areas where there is no Article 4. So we've got, for instance, we've got Islington, we've got Hackney, we've got Camden. These are all very expensive areas in London. We've got Westminster, we've got Chelsea and um, Kensington and Chelsea. We've got Lambeth. I'm not so sure about Lambeth, whether or not it hasn't. Um, we've got the City of London itself. We've got Wandsworth, um, possibly Richmond. Um, but um, Kingston has now uh, or is, is consulting on uh, implementing an Article 4. Um, Merton, the same. Sutton still doesn't have one. Ealing doesn't have one. Um, and even as I speak, my information might be out of date. So of all of those areas, which areas are actually still affordable? Mainly Sutton. And that is why if you're looking for a house to convert into an HMO in Sutton, you're going to find it really difficult to find one because all of the big properties are being snapped up as they come onto the market. And it really is a big opportunity. Now, uh, uh, other op other areas that already have an Article 4, if you can get perhaps a rundown HMO and do it up if it's not going to cost too much money and the figures still stack, again, that is an opportunity because once the Article 4 um, is implemented for the HMOs, so we're talking about Article 4s for HMOs, once they're implemented, most people are going to be put off actually converting uh, houses into HMOs because although it really just requires that you rent you rent out the house to you know as as I said earlier um it, you know the definition is more than two people from more than one household sharing kitchen and or bathroom facilities uh, you still have to carry out certain works 
so each unit you it's not really worth it unless you're going to kind of like rent it out to about five or six people anyway but and once you start going down that road you actually need to have fire doors with smoke seals your frames need to be fire rated which means that they will withstand fire for at least 30 minutes you should really put sound insulation in between your rooms and you know the floors um you need kitchen facilities to cater to all the people that you have in your property you need to literally get the borough in question get their um hmo standards booklet and read through it to make sure that you can actually comply there are window sizes there are window opening sizes there are door closer requirements fire alarm systems emergency lighting systems well for mandatory licensing if it's not if you don't fall within the mandatory um licensing requirements then you some borrowers say don't really worry about having an addressable fire alarm system addressable systems are actually more expensive than just ordinary interlinked systems but addressable systems will tell the fire brigade where a fire is were there to be a fire in your hmo and the fire brigade is called and they turn up so that can help to actually save lives but uh, which ones are uh, mandatory, which ones, uh, you know, are not, which ones do you need a fire address, a fire, a, an addressable fire alarm system, and which ones don't you? All of this is quite complicated. It's not really something that can be dealt with in an episode of a podcast or even being taught either on Clubhouse, on Facebook, over Zoom, because there are so many things that are actually involved. And if it's something that you're looking to do, you need to kind of like tick every single box. Now, a hint as to what I normally would do is whether or not I think I know what the council actually requires, if they have like an advisory service, I will pay for them to come out so that I can talk to the officer and say, this is what I'm intending to do. Do you have any objections? It may well be that what I did two years ago might no longer be lawful today. So it's always actually good to get them on side. And also another advantage to doing things you know, in that way is that once you've finished your work, you have a direct line to that particular officer. And then you don't need to wait in the queue before you actually get your license. Not that it makes any difference if you're waiting, you know, if if your application is in a queue. But I like to actually have the license in my hand on the wall when people come to view. So as soon as you finish your works, if you've done the advisory service thing, um, you send all the requirements to your officer chances are you're going to get your license within a few days, not weeks, not months and not years, within a few days. So you need to make sure that everything is completely safe and legal for your tenants. You know, you'll need your gas safety certificates, your electrical installation condition reports, um, emergency lighting uh, um, certificates, your fire alarm certificates, you know, when 
if, if, if those are actually required for the type of HMO that you're doing. But like I said, HMOs are not really financially worth it unless you can get one with five rooms that can house six people, maybe four rooms that can house six people. Again, still better than four rooms that can only house four people. And, you know, the lower the number, it, it just doesn't really kind of like work out because of all the um, fire safety stuff that you need to do, you know, need to change all the locks on the doors, make sure that the tenants cannot lock themselves in with a key so you need thumb turns on the back of doors you need to make sure that your door closers are operating efficiently and they're fire rated as well that your hinges are fire rated so many things to do again inside the hmo as with all landlords with um uh, with furnishings make sure that you know they carry you know the safety rating for fire all of these things are things that can be easily overlooked but shouldn't because were anything to go wrong wow that that would be a nightmare situation for the landlord in question but let me stop on all of the requirements. That's not what, what this episode is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about the opportunities that still exist in London for HMOs because good HMO rooms in London, I don't know whether or not it, it depends on where you are, but where I am, which is not even central London, so Croydon, we're now even a standard room with a good ensuite is now going for more than a thousand pounds, 900, a thousand pounds. So you, in terms of income, this is looking very good. And you know, one HMO in London, five rooms, you're looking at what, like 5,000 pounds, possible, well, maybe just under, let's say four and a half thousand pounds um, a month. That is good money really good money and even with the higher interest rates that are being charged at the moment it still stacks up if you can buy at a good price anyway i just wanted to encourage encourage people out there don't you know sit back and listen to all the woes that are going on um about you know the market yes the market's not as good as it, it as it has been and in fact my last episode was just really highlighting the reality of being in this business but in terms of income honestly HMOs are looking good and there are opportunities in London because people will always people may always may want to buy HMOs and if you're in an article 4 area it, it makes perfect sense for somebody to actually pay a premium to get your working HMO and take it off your hands and run it for themselves. So, do you know, look for opportunities. There are opportunities everywhere. So don't just listen to, you know, doom and gloom. Yes, things aren't, you know, as good as they could be, but there are some amazing things out there. So if you are looking to make money from property, maybe consider buying an HMO in London and there'll be even less risk 
if you can buy a house and convert it into an HMO without breaching any planning laws, i.e. that you will be doing it under permitted development. Anyway, whatever you decide to do, good luck and keep reaching out, you know, keep coming back with your questions and I'd be happy to answer them if I can. And if you're enjoying these podcasts, please do rate and review them, preferably on Apple Podcasts, but you can also do it on Spotify or um, Audible or Google, Um, any feedback and all feedback is welcome. See you next month.